everyone, welcome to Shalanda Says, where we answer questions on all sorts of topics ranging from relationships to career growth. Join us as we answer listener questions and interview various experts in their field. Want a question answered? Send it to Shalanda at TuxWilderGuidance.com. That's Shalanda at TuxWilderGuidance.com. Now here's your hostess and proclaimed queen of time management and goal setting, Shalanda. You know, one of the things I've done with, and I've helped a number of folks with recruiters where they've dealt with a recruiter who was especially nice and especially helpful and they didn't get a job. I said, okay, why don't you send a $5 electronic Starbucks gift card to them just to say thank you? Yeah. In other words, just enough to buy them one cup of coffee. You'll be surprised how far that will get with them mm-hmm. because one of the things you don't realize is rarely does anyone say thank you to a recruiter. Right. Yes. Cause I do. I also do independent recruiting and it really makes my day when someone emails me back after, even after finding out they didn't get the position, they still email me. Thank you, Shalanda for considering me for your client and, if you know of any other job opportunities, please let me know. And that keeps them in the back of my mind as a serious applicant. And I will keep them in mind and, you know, keep their information on file and say, hey, Joe out in Montana, he sent me an email last week. Let me see who has a job for him. Yeah, I had, I was working with one guy my online community, um, which by the way, you can find at careerpivot.com slash community. <laughs> and he, he was, uh, he interviewed for a position with a major semiconductor company. He interviewed with four people. They ran him through the gauntlet. It was eight hours of interviews. Wow. And the, he didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. And the recruiter came back and told him that, Number one, the two decision makers really liked him. The two or three younger folks felt he didn't have the energy, i.e. he was too old. Wow. Yeah, by the way, that's code for you're too old. Right. (laughs) And, And to put it bluntly, he needed to work on his stamina because I, 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 I even told him to take a bunch of, uh, you know, energy bars in with him that he could munch on during the time because I knew he was going to run out of gas. Mm, And I told him, I said, okay, that recruiter didn't have to tell him that. That was valuable information. That is information that you can take action on. Now you lost the job. You're not going to get it, but that's so send him send him a, a gift card and say, thank you. And by the way, when he did that, mm-hmm. they put him in con- in consideration for two other positions. Wow. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He made a good impression on a number of people. Okay. Let's ca- keep that going. And by the way, this was a gentleman who I wrote up. He was, he was the subject of an article that ended up in Forbes called living in a career disaster area at the age mm-hmm. of 65. Mm-hmm. What he used to do, which was 
work on huge computer projects. He was a project manager for massive supercomputer projects uh, that were tended to be very international and multi multi corporate. Uh, by the way, no one does that anymore. All that's been commoditized into the cloud. His world disappeared in five years. Man. It's, and, and, you know, we see this in technology. Yes, we do. I, I worked at IBM for many years on the hardware side. IBM, HP, all these folks who made big, massive hardware, it's all gone. And, you know, if you're old enough, you remember Sun Microsystems and DEC and Compact, they're all gone. Yeah, I remember Compact. <laughs> right. So the point here is you have to stay nimble. If you want to keep working, you can't. Things are going to change. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. And so, yes, be nice to your recruiters. <laughs> be especially nice because <laughs> what most people don't realize, particularly in today's uh, era, recruiters have way too much stuff on their plate. And they're in general, they're really nice people. <laughs> so be nice to them. <laughs> yes. I like to think I'm generally nice. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, but but very often you as a recruiter, you're a gatekeeper and you're not the yes. decision maker. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly it. And uh, businesses use me because they're busy as well. So they use me as a a recruiter to decide who to let in. And then they, like you said, they're the ultimate decision maker. So, yeah, I can screen 10 people and choose five of that 10 to come in and go for another interview. But ultimately... It's not my decision. And you're going to have to know what to say and what they're looking for so that you can be their top choice. And what I always claim is bypass the recruiter. Go straight to the hiring manager. Is if you can get to the hiring, if, if a hiring manager today, and here we are in July, is planning to hire in September, if you can get to the hiring manager now, before they post the job, find out what the problem they have mm-hmm. and be able to convince them, I can solve your problems. Exactly. Because yeah. most of us, when we reach the second half of life, most of us are problem solvers. We solve problems for our employers. So what you need to do is figure out what problems do you solve and who has those problems? And then how can I get to them before the hiring process? Now, you can carry this on later in life as you become a service provider, as you become a consultant. Because most of us are going to work into our 70s and it's not going to be in full-time employment. Mm. Because, by the way, I don't ever want to go work for an employer again. I've had that. I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. And, 
So I'm like, all right, joke, I work for the worst boss ever. Me. <laughs> but I don't, I, I, one of the common themes in my online community is everybody wants freedom. Oh, yeah. We, and, and by the way, there's a remarkable similarity between those of us who are over 60 and how we want to work and the millennials. We want freedom to work on what we want to work on, where we want to work, and when we want to work on what we want to work on. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, let's say someone did make it past the gatekeeper and they begin interviewing for this position. Now, we know an interview goes both ways. It's not just about us getting the job so that we can have a paycheck. And it's not just about the company getting someone to help fill this position so that, you know, certain things can get done for the company's mission and vision. Now, during this interview phase, how can a person tell if they may or may not like a company's environment or culture? Okay. This is number one. First thing I tell people is know thyself. One of the real problems that all of us, you know, particularly those of us who came out of the the world in the 60s and 70s, um, we became actors when we went to work. We play roles. And we play those roles and, you know, I, I become... Uh, I, I joke, I, at IBM, I became a geek that could speak. I learned to behave very much like an extrovert. Mm, yeah. By the way, I got paid more to be an extrovert. What I discovered when I hit my 50s, wow, it was exhausting staying in character. And so what happens is learning to say, okay, do I really want to keep doing this? And this is one of the things I've worked with a lot of folks on is getting back to who they really are. And one of the advantages you have as a older worker, as someone in the second half of life is you've got 20, 30, 40 years of work experience. Mm-hmm. You know, when things have really sucked and when things have been really good. Yeah. The question is Why? That is data you can harvest, and then you can develop open-ended questions to when you go in and interview and actually get the other side to talk about what the environment is really like. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I always tell people is make sure you understand the red flags. So I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. I don't deal well with bosses. I never have. Tell me what you want. Get the heck out of my way and I'll get mm-hmm. it done. You didn't want to be micromanaged. I don't want to be managed at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me what you want. Give me, I, I like strong leaders mm-hmm. who tell me, go take that hill. Give me firm direction. Give me the resources and I'll get it done. Mm-hmm. So if I came in and say, tell me about your management style. And if they come in and say, yeah, we're going to measure you every week. I know the next response is goodbye. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And for many of us, it's understanding what are we really looking for? Because one of my other mantras is it's more important who we work with and the environment than what we do. 
Yes. Right? You put me in a job uh, that I really like and give me a crappy boss, a Mm -hmm. crappy team. Don't reward me and I'll be miserable. Oh, yeah. I was reading a book. I forget the name of it. But it said that people don't quit jobs. People quit people. You got it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things is going back and when have you been the happiest? And look at what did those environments look like? And then go look for those environments. Yeah. And I was, you know, I'll use the example. I was written up um, in the Muse here recently. I was interviewed and it was talking about, you know, what happens if you want to take a job to step down? And my response is you better have a really, really good story. Mm. You know, or you're overqualified. Well, very likely you're going to have to have a really good story and you're going to have to tell it before you get to a recruiter. Because, by the way, you say, well, I'm willing to take a a pay cut of, you know, 20, 30, 40%. And the answer comes down to is we don't believe you. And so, therefore, having that story out there before you even get there which is why this is relationships are so important is to be able to say, Hey, here's why I'm doing this. At my second tech startup, I ended up interviewing. I was pulled in because I had four or five people from my first tech startup who were at uh, this, the second one. And they said, you need to go talk to Mark. He just came. I just came this. I just left my job at the Jewish community center. Mm-hmm. And you need to go talk to Mark. I walked in and the hiring manager was 15 to 18 years younger than me. And I told him, you know what? I don't want your job. I had your job. I don't want it. I just want to do this stuff. I handed him a CD with the very, very advanced training we had done using, um, uh, using Flash. It was all, we, we had done a bunch of very sophisticated animations of a chipset. Mm-hmm that completely explained how the thing worked. And he went, wow, that's what I want to do. Hmm. Say at least I had the job within 48 hours. Hmm. You know, it was, this was, but I had a clear story. Yeah. And, and you, in other words, you got to be able to explain yourself. Mm-hmm. And because some of us, when we reach this age, if we want to go back to work for an employer, we don't want to do what we used to do. (laughs) Right. We don't want the stress. I'm sorry. I don't want to work 60, 80 hours weeks, 80 hour weeks anymore. Sorry. I don't need that. And by the way, one of the things I want is location independence. That's why Mm -hmm. I'm living down here in Mexico. Yeah, it's always, it's definitely nice to have that option. And by the way, you always do have the option. You may not always realize you do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I've, I've mentored folks over the years and they say, well, I can't say no. Mm-hmm. Sure you can. Yeah. You can always say no. Well, the bad things are going to happen if I do. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Right. You're making stuff up. Mm-hmm. And by the way, a very, very good book on this is called Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Really, really, really good book. It's, it's how to say no without saying no. 
and get more mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think some of us have the mentality that we don't have a choice when, like you said, we actually do. The only thing you have to do is die and pay taxes. <laughs> and McEwen talks in his book is you actually will get more respect by saying no. Mm-hmm. And I, if you're interested, I can give you a number of uh, examples, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's learning how to do it properly and you right. will actually get more respect. Yeah. That's the key is doing it properly. Yeah. Well, let me give you a good example. I, when I worked for my first tech startup, uh, there were, there were a hundred of us in the, or maybe 80 of us in the company at the time. And my CEO called me up and said, Mark, you need to fly business. You need to fly coach to China next week. And I'm sitting in a cube of this huge cube of four, four people, three other, my peer managers were in there and I, and they heard me say, Hey Ford. And they all knew it was the CEO. Uh, you know what? I can't do that, but I'll take care of it. I'll find someone else to go. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it and said, you know, I'm six foot four. I'm tall. Um, these trips are grueling. I hit the ground running. I'll be working for, you know, 14 days before I come back. Nope, not willing to do that. Um, but don't worry, I'll take care of it. And after about three or four minutes, he says, ah, go ahead, fly business class. And everybody else in, the, in, in my cube, when I hung up, they said, you said no to Ford. I said, no, I didn't. I said, I'd take care of it, but I'm not going. Mm. You notice the difference? Mm-hmm. So I didn't say no. I said no, but I didn't say no. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's just finding the right ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you basically left it kind of open-ended, even though you, you said what you didn't want to do, but you still said that you would handle it, you would take care of it and make sure it got done. You didn't just say, no, I'm not doing it and walk away from it. That's right. Now, by the way, he knew I was the only one who could do a really good job with this. With a, <clears throat> this was, believe it or not, training either Huawei or ZTE, the mm. two bad boys of China today, uh, mm. who are very important customers. I knew that but I wasn't going to say no. Yeah. There are kinds of ways of doing this. I said, go pick up, go pick up essentialism for anybody who's listening to this podcast and who struggles with this. Yeah. Great advice today, Mark. I really appreciate all of your insights. Now, one last question for you is how can we contact you? Okay. The easiest way is to go to careerpivot.com and hit the contact me button. There are several on there. There's a, there's a, a speak pipe. There are any number of ways on the website to find, to, to reach out to me. You can find my online community, which is, uh, which is in beta. Uh, you can find that at careerpivot.com slash community. And if you want to listen to the, uh, the repurpose your career podcast, you'll find it on iTunes and all the other podcast apps and you can also go to careerpivot.com slash podcast and if you're interested in getting early release chapters of my 
my third edition of Repurpose Your Career, you can go to careerpivot.com slash R-Y-C team or repurpose your career team. And I am releasing early release copies. I'm looking for people to give me feedback. Uh, we're going to do that all the way up to the very end, releasing individual chapters. And, uh, and you can see what it's all about. All right. Sounds great. Well, I thank you once again for your time. Thank you. Shalanda. Yes, sir. You got it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Shalanda Says. Tune in next week because we are going to be giving you more incredible career advice. In the meantime, send your questions to Shalanda at TooksWilderGuidance.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And as always, Have a productive day.